Ladies and gents, I've got my man Gary Allman on the call today, and Gary is known as this, also known as the Sleep Performance Coach. Um, how you doing, my man? You good? Really well, mate. Thanks for having me on, Martin. Pleasure to be here, mate. Good to catch up as well. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So, yeah, we've got a ton of value coming uh, for the audience. You know, obviously, sleep being the foundation and the most important thing, more important than anything in life, pretty much, right? Let's be honest. So, Gary, if you wouldn't mind just uh, telling us who you are and what you do first and foremost, that'd be great, man. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, so my story is a bit of a uh, long one, but I'll keep it short for you guys. So I used to work in corporate jobs, uh, pretty successful in those corporate jobs, but I was extremely um, burnt out. Like my health was a roller coaster. My health journey was just up and down. Like I'd lose weight, gain weight, you know, and I, I was in decent shape for the majority, but I was never kind of um, energetic and focused on what I wanted to do. And in the role I was in, I was also kind of doing coaching on the side um, because I was studying that in my job as part of my career, like progressing, learning how to lead a team, et cetera. And I kind of fell in love with it. I was like, oh, this coaching stuff is really interesting. So I, I looked into aspects of coaching that I enjoyed, like health and fitness, trying to get into shape and then performance coaching and so on and so forth. Anyway, a couple of years later, a year and a half later, um, came across sleep as being like the aspect of performance and you know the, all, all sources of energy and health and everything so I was like this is really interesting no one's talking about sleep so I started uh, studying it you know we did like a 15 hour online course and you know which is a lot more than GPs in the UK study sleep for mind you they studied for about 90 minutes so 15 hours may not seem like a lot but it was enough to give me a really good knowledge of sleep then I started helping out people for free just like people who were close to me like my, my wife and obviously myself um, you know implemented sleep and my health just transformed. Like everything I was doing, my health and fitness, but I was getting results, but the sleep stuff just accelerated it and everything just fell into place because my body was recovering better. My hormones started to balance. You know, I was having energy at the right times of day to actually work out, you know, and it was just so easy for me and I fell in love with it. And then, you know, we I started chatting to a guy called Angus Buckle, who's now, you know, alongside me in the sleep performance coach. And yeah, we've just, um, Form this great partnership where we help health coaches and high-level entrepreneurs transform their health because as we've laddered up we've just worked with you know better and better clients and people at the top tend to be more burnt out you know the more successful you are usually the more uh, unhealthy you can be uh, because you've just been so pressed for time so that's where we've grown it and yeah it's all started with my own health journey there's more detail to it than that but I just want to keep it brief and now I've just got this absolute obsession with helping so many people experience what i did uh by transforming my health with sleep awesome man awesome why do you think we sleep gary right? so i was thinking about this before we came on i'm like from an evolutionary standpoint right hunting for food makes sense right obviously to survive yeah. we need fuel we need food to live and then obviously you know when it comes to exercise and movement obviously we have to go and hunt those animals we get a good feeling because we keep the tribe alive then yeah, you man. go to sleep right and it's like you're out cold, you're unconscious, out for the lights, right? You're vulnerable, right? If you look from, again, from a hunter-gatherer perspective, I'm thinking, what is like, what do you think? I know there's a lot of theories and stuff like that. What do you think like the evolutionary purpose is behind us actually sleeping? Yeah, great question. And not one I've actually been asked on a podcast before. So my opinion, um, sleep is just down to energy, energy um, conservation. So the body only has a finite amount of resources. It's like a car that needs fueling up. You know, if you look at everything out there in the world, they have a cycle. So trees will have a certain amount of time that they're green for. Then they'll shed their leaves. Then they'll recover. Cars need fueling. Humans have built them that way and designed them very similar to how we're built. We have to fuel our body with food. And sleep is part of that equation. So it's a it's a 
chemical reaction in the body and it's electro signal in the body that says you know to your nervous system it's time to rest and I, if we maximize that sleep our output in the day can be increased and we can live a more fulfilled life because we can actually do more now it may sound counterintuitive because people will listen to this and say well gary i'll spend more time in bed how does that actually give me more time to actually expend the energy that i've got from sleep well the reality is you'll just do things in a more focused way so you'll be you'll procrastinate less you'll be more ruthless with your decisions you'll make better decisions and you'll just be in a better mood so you won't actually be distracted by things that don't really concern you and you'll be more focused on the things that are actually going to push you forward and the sleep is the thought of all energy and i think that's where it's come from with human beings it, you know human beings have always pushed the boundaries and i think we are designed to sleep to restore that energy and keep going forwards i don't i think if we would never slept obviously our body would never evolve or, or some aspects of it would probably evolve but you know we we've been designed to sleep to restore as fast as possible where and you know you maximize that energy supply from the food and the nutrients we take in so we can keep forging that path forwards and that's why man has gone from the caveman days to where we are now because we've always pushed boundaries and i i i believe that that's why sleep is so important and so invaluable to the modern man as well because we can keep moving forward if we've got a great source of energy that makes a lot of sense. And you touched upon like weight loss and what happened with you with your transformation as well, right? Yeah. And how important do you think sleep is for weight loss? Because an analogy your man Angus Buckle used when he did a, a coaching thing within my mentorship thing, he said, you know, it's almost like running on a treadmill overnight, right? When you really optimize it your sleep. Is, yeah. So just explain that a bit more. Yeah, Angus's analogy is spot on. It's something he's taught me, uh, something I never really considered. Um, he's got a different background to me. He's been in, you know, health and fitness for a lot longer than I have. And his analogy is fantastic because the body, the thing is, if people are in calorie deficits, right, they'll, they eventually can hit a plateau, okay? And the body needs calories to actually sleep, believe it or not, because sleep is a source of active recovery. We are actively doing something when we are sleeping, even though we're not consciously aware of it. So our body is uh, cleaning out the systems in it, you know, the lymphatic and glymphatic systems, and it, it's working through your... Uh, blood sugar levels and you know raising them lowering them your body temperature changes it needs energy to do that stuff so if we're in a calorie deficit that only gives us energy for the day when we go to sleep at night the body is more susceptible to waking up because it's look it's looking for a source of energy to fuel the process of sleep our sleep is more disturbed so then when we go back into our following day we eat the same amount of calories we conventionally hit a plateau because the body just doesn't have the energy to actually do anything that's when the motivation starts falling away you know that's when the the doubt steps in or can i stick to this and so on and so forth i'm sure martin you've seen this with your clients i know you're mm. a fantastic coach but it, it's not always straightforward with coaches i know this as well with my clients mm. we have to adapt and we have to change and if we don't get our sleep right and we're not sleeping properly we make everything else so much more difficult and also from a hunger perspective as well we are um regulating our hunger hormones when we're sleeping so if we have that sleep right our hunger hormones are going to be balanced so we're not going to be craving more food than we actually need and you know this martin you know from the masterclass i've done with you it's the hunger hormones leptin and ghrelin can be out of control if we're sleeping consistently under seven hours per night and our body actually needs more so we're going to be craving you know quick fast food because it's a good source of energy it's it's sugar it's fat it's carbs and we don't really need that um the amount of times people will 
you know, be out and about and not even be thinking about food, but because their energy level is dipping, their brain kind of seeks out sources of energy and they know that there's a Mackey's nearby or something like that. So they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they find the temptation hard to go, oh yeah, I could just grab something quick there without having to go home and cook. And it's a choice of two decisions. So again, from a sleep perspective, if we have a better energy source for the brain, we can make better decisions and we can actually resist that and say, no, I'm not going to go to Mackey's. I'm going to go home and cook a better meal because you know i'm making a, a conscious decision there rather than just relying on a convenient source of energy so there's loads of things that i can discuss with that and the importance of sleep but yeah just going back to what angus said as well we burn around 50 calories an hour from uh from sleeping so you know if we're sleeping for eight hours it's 400 extra calories we can burn so we now that sleep you know our weight loss results can be huge Mm, awesome yeah and that's it the decisions we make with food and our mood everything's affected as you mentioned leptin and ghrelin hormones can be totally out of whack you know insulin yeah. uh you know sensitivity can kind of decrease even all over one poor sleep right in one night so a lot can happen even in one night what would you say because again we, we were going to try and keep this episode jam like you know compact because it's such a complex topic for example gary came on and did an awesome presentation for my clients which was super valuable by the way and that was like an hour and obviously he covered it all in the presentation but there's still more to cover right so if you were to say to people gary like the main big rocks to really pay attention to when it comes to sleep what would you communicate to the audience i think the top two things that most people underestimate is a uh, consistent wake time and uh, sunlight exposure in the morning. Now, the reason being, people experience sleep problems or bouts of sleep problems due to disruption in their circadian rhythm. Now, that's their body's biological clock that will regulate their hormone processes and their energy. So we will say, well, Gary, what about going to bed at the same time? Now, if you focus on your wake time, you're actually reverse engineering it because what your body will do is it will build up your sleep drive during the day if you're waking up at the same time every day. And then you'll start to feel sleepy at the same time every day. So then you can go to bed at that time. Whereas what the mistake people make is if they go to bed too early or too late, they're potentially thrown off their body's clock. Then they're waking up at irregular times. So if we dial in that wake time, the best way to do that, mind you, is to just wake up naturally. Literally find out what time you wake up naturally over sort of two to four weeks and keep track of that. And most people will usually be, I mean, mine is around sort of, I'd like dial mine in. It's like, 12 minutes past six to like 18 minutes past six so there's like a buffer and that's the time i'll naturally awake um most people's um chronotype their genetics is night owl so around 70 percent of the population will work up later than me they'll be around sort of seven to eight maybe even nine o'clock naturally and then you know if they're then trying to go to bed at 10 o'clock they're just going to be lying in bed going why can't i fall asleep it's because their body hasn't built up enough sleep pressure so Keep that wake time consistent, guys, and then naturally your bedtime will fall into place. And then sunlight exposure in the morning will help uh, send a signal to your body to actually start regulating the hormones and processes for the day. So if we sit indoors, like I'm in this office now, it's well lit, but outdoors I can see, you know, it's fantastic because the sun's blazing here in the UK. The difference in light and lux level is phenomenal. Now, the mistake people make is they get out of bed, they get in a nine to five job, for example, they get out of bed, they go downstairs, you know, and they um, have their breakfast, whatever, then they get in the car, then they drive to an office and they sit in an office that is overhead lit. They've never, ever had any sort of time outside, even 10 minutes, guys, I'm talking like on a cloudy day can be so much better than sitting indoors um, on a, uh, in, you know, in indoor lighting. If you can get outside on a sunny day, even better. 
but the light level is massively different outdoors compared to indoors it may sound obvious but so many people don't do it and that's um eventually as that's eventually if we do that on time delaying the circadian rhythm process the body's looking for that signal to suppress melatonin which is the sleep inducing hormone and then start the process for the day with releasing cortisol and adrenaline in their entirety we have a minor release in the morning when we wake up but the body needs light to kind of push that in the right direction and when we do that light gives us energy you know when we go outside in in the sun or on a you know decently lit day we feel a lot better we feel energetic the sun does give us that kind of mood boosting uh feeling and um that's why it's so important and then once we have that signal even for 10 minutes we can carry on with our day and our body knows what to do after that we do that consistently we'll, we'll be a lot better and we'll start sleeping a lot better Awesome. So you say the regularity of your sleep, obviously going, getting up at the same time and then obviously going to bed kind of adapts naturally then, right? So if you can focus on that consistent wake time. And I think that was a good, because I used to always set an alarm, but now I make sure I just wake up naturally after listening to some of your stuff, you know? Yeah. And because it, it disrupts, like sometimes it just disrupts your sleep, right? If you've got a loud alarm going off, it's like taking you out of that, that extra sleep you might have needed, right? Yeah. But you also yeah. said then obviously getting outside. And that's something people overlook as well, just getting daylight in the morning. You know, people think, what, how the hell does that impact my sleep? But interesting that you said that was one of the most important things. So when it comes to people actually connecting the dots, right? Because obviously you gave us some of your tools, right? And it really helped all my clients as well. And what you said was to kind of track manually for the for four weeks, you know, pen to paper. And to be honest, I like to practice what I preach, even though I've tracked my sleep for a long time. I used a whoop. Now I use an aura ring. Um, I wanted to just use these worksheets basically and just see if I can connect more dots. And it actually worked. Simple stuff like stress, right? I notice that if I have more stress, more work stress, whatever stress that is, if I rate my stress, you know, higher than a seven, if my stress is like an eight or nine out of 10, has a massive impact on my sleep. And like, it just means I have to work even harder, do a bit more meditation before bed and, and prioritize my sleep routine even more. So what would you say to people in terms of tracking and paying attention and actually connecting the dots? So they go, oh, okay, so when I eat, another thing for me, Gary, as well, if I eat past 6.45 p.m., I know the exact time, that is very hit and miss and it disrupts my um, my sleep quality as well. And obviously I picked up on that from tracking. So yeah, yeah, just quite a broad question, but how would you kind of answer that? Yeah, I think um, we just need to keep everything as simple as possible and focus on basic kind of five metrics. So for those of you listening, I want you to focus on your bedtime and your wake time. So there's two. Rate your stress on a scale of one to 10, like you said, for the day. Uh, write, write down your mental clarity in the morning when you wake up. And then the other thing is the, when the last meal of the day was. And I say meal, you can include alcohol in that as well, or even, you know, soda or if it's something like that, if you're having that. But the body needs to shut off all kind of digestive elements around three to five hours before bed. So if we can dial those in, we are bringing an awareness to our um, daily routines. So stress level is the one of the biggest disruptors of sleep. Like you said, Martin, you know, it's, it's something that people overlook. Like they kind of just go through the motions of the day, you know, they just accept it. Oh yeah, I've had a I've had a rough day today. You know, let's just get in and I'll not I'll not do anything. I'll just chill out and watch TV. If we bring an awareness to that and go, actually, my stress is really high today. Like I've, I haven't felt like this in a couple of weeks. You know, I've had a particularly bad day at work. We then go, all right, I'm going to actually put some effort in tonight to ensure that I can get back on track. If we just accept it and we just go through the motions, you know, we may feel calm on the outside, but inside our body's in a state of disruption. There's a lot of stress and burden on the nervous system, which will help keep you awake. Or even if you fall asleep fast, it can disrupt your sleep. So we have to be mindful of that. And like you said, going, oh, yeah, I'll do an extra bit of meditation tonight. Or I'll do some extra breath work. Or 
I'll um, even factor in a date night, you know, with your partner, you know, suggest to them that you want to go out because you've had a particularly rough day. If you can afford that, you know, it's a nice little thing to look forward to and it will help calm you down, guys. Simple things like that are all about optimization and individuality. You know, we always apply the law of individuality. So it's what you want to do to kind of break the monotony in the cycle that you're going through, because that's just called this basic pattern interruption. If we're in a state of poor sleep, we need to interrupt that pattern. And a lot of that can be driven by stress and lack of awareness of what we're doing actually in our day-to-day lives. So if we track those five metrics, we can start to implement things in there very, very slowly over like you said, four weeks or so, you know, leading into, I, you know, I coach my clients for up 12 weeks, but then we add in like DNA testing and blood work and stuff like that if we need to. But, you know, we start with four weeks, we work up to 12 weeks, but then, you know, you and I might have been committed to it for a lot, a lot longer because we know what works for us. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in the gym, guys. You think, well, how complicated can sleep be but when you go to the gym you have a nutrition plan you have a workout plan you then review that workout plan nutrition plan track your results maybe even take progress photos and you adapt the same as for sleep like your body has been in a pattern for a certain way if you want to change that you have to adapt to that new pattern and that takes time so we've got to track it we've got to be aware of what we're doing day to day even though it's something boring like sleep, I get it, guys. It's not as exciting as, you know, getting a six-pack or something like that. But it will help you get a six-pack a lot faster if you focus on your sleep and you track it. So, yeah, focus on those five things, as I've said. And then, yeah, just uh, adapt and improvise over time. And that's been tried and tested, my man. That was that was gold, by the way, all of that. But um, that's been tried and tested with clients, you know, in terms of their body responding when they actually prioritize sleep and start making it a ritual. Because people, a lot of the times, they just think, like you said them, right? Sleep is just something that happens, right? You know, I hit the pillow and I'm out cold. How many times have yeah. you heard that? Oh, no, sleep's not a problem for me. I hit the pillow and I'm out. You know what I mean? They think it's just something yeah. that happens. But like you touched on then, training, nutrition, you got to put a lot of thought into that. You've got to put even more into sleep, I would say. You know what I mean? And um, with the, in terms of substances like caffeine and alcohol, I just wanted to touch on this quickly because what you said as well, Simple stuff, right? I already know a lot of this stuff, but you dial things in a bit more when an expert kind of delivers it, right? So you said about, you know, cutting your alcohol off, sorry, your caffeine off, ideally eight hours before bedtime minimum. So for me, it's like hit and miss. So I cut it off even like 10 hours is a sweet spot, basically. I know if I cut it off 10 hours before, it doesn't interrupt my REM sleep because obviously I tracked it with the aura. And then alcohol is like the worst thing. And I think you said this as well, or someone else said it, but obviously just giving yourself one hour after every drink before you go to bed, just simple stuff like that works. I know everyone's completely different, but caffeine and alcohol, my man, would you mind touching on that for us? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Two of the biggest disruptors alongside something we just talked about, stress, caffeine, especially like I used to be when I was in my corporate job, not understanding anything about sleep. I used to smash six to eight cups a day. Like that was really bad. And then I'd be, I'd be like, why can't I fall asleep? And I'm trying to get up at quarter past five in the morning and, you know, be asleep by nine. And I just, well, my sleep quality was terrible, even if I was physically tired because caffeine lingers. Like I said about eight hours, like eight hours is minimum. Like if you have a sensitivity that's higher, you know, that's why we do genetic testing. As you, as you know, Martin, we can pick up on someone's caffeine sensitivity. We need to cut that out earlier, maybe even 12 hours. So if you have a cup of coffee in the morning at eight o'clock, you want to, that's your last cup. Like if you want to be start winding down at eight, you know, then you can be in bed by nine and asleep by half nine. That's what we want to be looking at. We don't want to be having a cup of coffee at one o'clock in the afternoon because that's just going to disrupt our sleep. It may sound crazy, but it has so much of an effect on people because what it, what it actually does is it doesn't give us energy. This, that's a myth. What it does is it suppresses the chemical adenosine, which builds up our sleep drive. 
So when I talked earlier about sleep drive and keeping your wake time at the same, then naturally your sleep drive will build and then you'll start to feel sleep at the same time. That's your bedtime. You know, you just write that down and keep track of it. So what adenosine does is it causes us to feel sleepy and lethargic because it builds up from the cells in our body. Then it's released as a byproduct of adenosine triphosphate. So as we move, as we talk, as we breathe, you know, adenosine is released. Caffeine just suppresses that feeling. Now people will drink and drink and drink it think, oh, I need more because I need to feel energetic. I need to feel focused. That isn't what caffeine does. So it can have an effect on performance. If you're an athlete and you time caffeine right, it can actually have an effect, but that's because you're physically active. If you're living a sedative lifestyle, sitting at a desk in an office, caffeine has barely any effect on you apart from delaying the fuse for you to actually feel sleepy. So yeah, if we have a high sensitivity to it, you know, we need to be mindful of that. If our heart rate really increases when we have a cup of coffee or something like that, we need to pay attention to it. If we don't have that much of an effect, maybe we could have, you know, a, a few more cups, but we still need to be mindful of cutting them out sort of eight to 10 hours before bed. And particularly, even if people say to me, Gary, I can have a cup of coffee or espresso after dinner at eight o'clock and I can fall asleep. Brilliant. Like, I could fall asleep if I was absolutely exhausted and I'm not back at coffee, but my sleep quality would be terrible. And that's a difference. There's a difference between falling asleep and, and having eight hours in bed and actually experiencing full, a quality sleep after you fall asleep. And it, caffeine particularly disrupts your REM sleep, as does alcohol. So alcohol is a sedative. It slows your heart rate down and it's, it actually slows your responses of your nervous system down, which is why people's reflexes in their speech is so slurred when, they're, when they've had a few drinks. Now, what it also does is it stays in the bloodstream as we know, for a lot longer. So the body then has to work harder to get rid of that. So it will increase your resting heart rate when you are asleep. And a resting heart rate above 65 is usually detrimental for sleep quality. So we have to keep our resting heart rate as low as possible, which is why stress management is so crucial, guys, what I was saying earlier. So the body has to pump blood harder to get rid of the alcohol. And the brain also has to work harder to also get rid of the alcohol. So the process of REM sleep, where the brain is actually cleansed and actually um consolidates memories is uh inhibited by the alcohol which is why people call it a hangover because they wake up they can't remember what they did because the brain hasn't gone through rem process rem process in the night believe it or not and they've got a headache and the headache is because the alcohol is still lingering in the brain because the brain hasn't cleansed it out that's all a hangover is if you look if you if you track your sleep like martin and i do I can have one beer and my my heart rate variability, my nervous system response and my REM sleep will just tank because I've got quite a high sensitivity to alcohol, specifically beer, because beer's got gluten in it and gluten doesn't sit well with me at all. I can drink a whiskey with stronger alcohol content, but I because it's distilled in a different way and processed the beer actually has less of an effect on me than beer does because beer has other additives like yeast, you know, and everything else in it. So, and a lot of them have gluten, as I said. So yeah, alcohol, caffeine, big disruptors of sleep. Um, and uh, yeah, just be mindful of that. So what you said just quickly before I finish, the rule of one drink and an hour. So what I'd rather you did, guys, is if you had a load of drinks, I'd rather you stayed up a lot later than, you know, and had a you know bad night's sleep in, in regards to duration and then got back on track the following day. What the mistake people make is they have loads of drinks and they go to bed and then they toss and turn they, you know, they end up actually getting the same amount of sleep as if they'd gone to bed at 4 a.m. and woken up at 8. If they actually went to bed at 11 p.m. and woke up at 8, you know, the same amount of sleep because of this, the disruption that the body's trying to get rid of the alcohol. So, yeah, just be mindful of that and then just get back on track the following day if you can.
Awesome. Yeah. When I'm planning drinks now, if I can, if I can help it, I try and do it in the daytime, believe it or not, the earlier, the better. I'm like, right, how can I get this out the way in a short window yeah. and enjoy it as well, especially with this weather? Obviously, I'm not going to recommend everyone just gets drunk in the daytime now, but you know what I mean? And I try and plan that big gap before bedtime. So awesome. So what does a day look like for Gary Ullman then, man, in terms of your morning and your evening routine? And then I just, I'll ask yeah. you the next question after that then. Yeah, so my morning routine, I, I get up around, or I'm awake around 6, 6.30, so uh, naturally easy way back quarter past six. Um, do my morning routine from about 7 till 8. Um, in the summer, it's a lot easier to do because I can, you know, uh, experience a nice level of daylight and stuff. I don't have a crazy morning routine. I literally have a litre of water in the first hour being awake. Helps wake my body up, uh, energises my brain. For these early podcasts you know i have to do with people <laughs> and uh, get my sunlight for 10 to 20 minutes and then i just reflect on my to-do list from the night before now my evening routine is planning my to-do list and winding down in the sense that i spend time with my wife so you know disconnect completely from social media and, and technology usually about two one two hours before bed um that just helps calm my body a little bit um, I've planned my to-do list, so I already know what I'm going to do the following day. I don't need to lie in bed and think about that. It helps with overthinking. And then it's just making sure that my bedroom is, you know, adequate. So, for instance, it was, it's was it been hot recently in the UK. So last night, took an ice pack like I've done for the past week. Because we've had weather that's like 30 degrees. A gel ice pack, put it in my pillowcase 30 minutes before bed. Keeps the pillow nice and cool. And then when I get into bed, I take it out of the pillow wrap it in a towel and just put it in the bed. So I'm lying next to it so it keeps me cooler. So I can actually get to sleep faster. Everyone struggles to sleep when it's hot. But basic things like that, that I've learned for myself, you know, can really help. And if the same, it's the same in winter, you know, if my evening routine will change, you know, but the main principles are planning my to-do list so I avoid overthinking and disconnecting from technology because that helps calm me down for the day. And it's just a non-negotiable that, that I... Uh, implementing into my day it doesn't have to be complex straightforward and that's what works for me awesome never thought of that ice pack thing man that sounds like a great idea simple yeah get, get on Amazon, man they're like they're five pound for a couple of gel ice packs and they, they're not like uh standard um ice ice packs where they actually like leave loads of water in your bed you know they're gel ice packs so their condensation is minimal and yeah they really really help like pop it in your pillowcase when you take it out your pillowcase it's ice cold and your pillow is as well and then just wrap it in a towel and you can hold it to your chest if you lie on your back just put it on your chest and it will help really kind of keep you a lot cooler and that's what the body's looking for for a temperature like the body's temperature needs to dip at night so if we're lying in a hot bedroom that's why people struggle to sleep so much because it just disrupts the process of um, hormones for sleep when we are too hot and too uncomfortable yeah makes a lot of sense I just wanted to ask you one more thing in terms of social jet lag. So this is a real thing, right? Because you recommended it the book, is, actually, didn't yeah. you? The Circadian Code you recommended to me. Awesome book. Yep. And it kind of goes deeper into it there. But a lot of people start their week feeling tired, lethargic. You know, they might have had mm. a heavy weekend or just socialized, stayed up later, had a few drinks. But people don't connect the dots, right? Unless you actually start paying attention to these things. So that is a real thing, right, Gary? Absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, I'm glad you brought it up because it's effectively a minor form of circadian disruption and it, it's it's a another term for circadian disruption so we've, we've all experienced it on the weekend you know we have a regimented routine nine to five now we're up at say six o'clock we know we're leaving the office at the same time every day you know we're going to bed at the same time every day and then on the weekend it completely changes because we're like, oh i need to lie and catch up on my sleep what you need to do is actually pay attention to the time that you're using to maximize your sleep quality 
not actually spend more longer in bed. But that's a whole com different conversation. Um, <laughs> but on the uh, on the weekends, yeah, people say like if someone's going to bed at ten, waking up at six. In the weekends, they'll then go to bed at midnight, wake up at nine, and that to the body is 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 jet lag. <laughs> You've literally shifted your body clock in one day. So then you do the same thing again on Sunday. So then in the week, you've actually uh, changed your sleep drive and your um, body's wait time massively. So your body's always fighting to get back to its natural biological rhythm that you've instilled in it from your nine to five job or your day to day routine. That's why people start Monday so slowly. And then come Wednesday, Thursday, they feel normal again. Then Friday, they're all excited for the weekend. Then the weekend, they do it all over again. And they go through these cycles of disruption, minor disruption that they're not aware of, which is why I said so earlier on, it's so important to pay attention to what we're doing and our behaviors, the time that we're going to bed. I'm not saying you have to have a psychotic routine, guys. Like I'd be lying if I said I didn't stay up later a few days a week, you know. So, you know, but I'm not I'm not taking the piss. I'm not like four hours later. You know, it's it's an hour or two. And then my wake time is still the same or 30 minutes later. I'm not shifting it by two or three hours. I'm not waking up usually at quarter past six and then waking up at quarter past eight or half eight. I'm waking up at quarter to seven or seven o'clock. And I can get away with that and I can still have a good life. You know, but when we start moving it around loads on a weekend and lying in and going, yeah, I'm just going to lie in bed today, we start to feel lethargic. We, we, we feel really tired. And it's the same going on holiday when we get off the plane. We, we takes a while for our body to adapt. That's exactly what it is. That's why it's called so social jet lag, because it's the equivalent feeling, but we're just living it around our social life. So just pay attention to your timings. Your body likes to be on a circadian rhythm in a 24-hour cycle. Everyone on the planet is the same in regards to that 24-hour cycle. We just do things at different times in regards to our sleeping pattern. But the body likes consistency. So be consistent with your wait time as much as you can. And then your bedtime will naturally fall in place again. And then on the weekends, you know, you can shift it by a maximum of an hour without any kind of real disruption. Spot on. I don't think we could have got more amazing content in such a short window, man. That was bang on. Thanks for that, man. Yeah, the social. And I'm glad you said that as well in terms of people think they have to be psychotic and regimented and like have no life kind of thing you know what i yeah. mean but it's just being aware yeah. of these things as you say so like you said you're not taking the piss where can the audience Absolutely. where can the audience find you my man uh same place we always talk mate it's instagram gary j allman is the best place for me uh i've recently opened a tiktok account but i'm not going to promote that <laughs> <laughs> you do you dancing you dancing with blue hair yeah i want to oh, see yeah, that yeah, I'm, doing, I'm doing all of that green screen background stuff yeah. no I've, uh, I've dabbled in tiktok just to see what it's like but yeah facebook and ig ig is my main channel um and yeah just message me anytime guys look at my content there's loads of stuff on there for free always happy to help anyone out not going to tell you anything as uh you know, lots of my clients will attest. If you want to have a chat about anything else for sleep related, I'm always happy to jump on a 15 minute call and just give you some value. Awesome, man. I'll share all of this in the show notes anyway for the audience in case you're wondering. And thanks a lot for your time, Gary. Really appreciate it, my man. My pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me on and I'll chat to you soon. Speak soon.